I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. I'm here today with Jay Skeeters, Mindset Coach. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about the progress of recovery um, from borderline personality disorder. And what I really wanted to talk about today is I've been noticing that individuals that are working with me are all at different stages in recovery, that maybe something that I say to one person doesn't resonate with another person yet. And what that got me to thinking about is the way that we learned about development, early childhood development when I was in psychology courses back in college and my master's program. So if anyone out there has taken a Psych 101 course, you may have heard of the different stage theorists that existed within the developmental psychology classes or framework. And maybe you've heard of Kohler, for example. Kohler had stages of moral development that children would go through so that they could start to learn more about their environment and develop their moral compass, moral code. And I think that, you know, it got me thinking about BPD recovery. And I thought, gosh, it seems a lot like people with borderline personality disorder also have to climb these stages of recovery. And if you think about the way that that would look, think about a ladder. I visualize that there are certain rungs on a ladder of recovery. So you start at the bottom rung, and then you go to the next and the next and the next. And each set of skills that you learn at the each rung kind of builds upon the next set of skills. So an example of this would be if you're someone who is just really new to recovery and you're maybe more emotionally dysregulated and your lows dip really low and your highs are really high and you're having a difficult time just you know, going from moment to moment that you are in a space where the support that you may need would be maybe trauma work or emotion regulation skills, ways to tolerate distress, how to understand the way your brain works within your diagnosis. And so that would be a bottom rung of the ladder right at the beginning of recovery. So once you are able to learn those skills like emotion regulation skills and learning about the BPD brain and how that shapes and impacts your behavior, then you'd move to the next rung of the ladder. And maybe the next rung of the ladder would be, you know, having like engaging in some schema therapy or looking at behavioral and familiar familial patterns, things that have gone on in your family and the way that that shaped how you view the world around you. And then at the same time, you're still able to regulate your emotions and sort of work on those skills. Then once you learn about your familial patterns, then you go to the next level of the ladder and then you're reparenting yourself. And so each skill builds upon itself. And I just, you know, wanted to, one, I'm going to have Jay kind of give an analogy about what that would look like in terms of one of this, um, one of the fitness programs we're doing. We're doing a program co- called Gymnastics Bodies. And another reason I wanted to bring this up is to talk about the way that a lot of us can become impatient in the recovery process and how that impatience keeps us at the 
bottom rung of the ladder or walking up two rungs and then sliding all the way back down to the first rung or the second rung again. I think we have this expectation that we are going to start off in recovery and then wake up one day and just be perfect, like a perfect person. But there's no such thing as a perfect person. And so we set high expectations for other people around us. And we talked about that in previous previous episodes. But we also set really high expectations for ourselves. And I think it's completely reasonable to look at where you are on your recovery ladder practice and get good at the foundational skills that are required in that stage of recovery and be okay with that. That that should be what you expect. And then you should expect yourself to move to the next rung of the ladder and then work even harder because you'd be at that second rung. So you have a lot of work to do then regulate your emotions and doing your next skill. So that is a high enough expectation versus waking up and thinking this should just go smoothly. Every day I'm going to be regulated. I'm going to be perfect and have no episodes. And I'm even going to, I've heard of people tracking how many days they've gone without an episode, like somebody with alcoholism would track how many days they've gone without a drink. Good in theory. However, I think if you you start thinking to yourself, I'm never going to have an episode again when you have this sort of you know, hyperbolic temperament is sets you up to fail. So rather than setting these high expectations, what it would be best to do is to look at where you at, where you are at in recovery and then be okay with that and work hard, give 110% at learning those skills that are in that process because that matters. So that way, when you get to the second, third, fourth, or fifth rung, you don't let go of all the progress you've made and slip down to the bottom rung. You are have that solid foundation. You have four rungs that you worked really hard at and you know them and they've become habitual, the behaviors contained in, the, in those areas of recovery. Uh, so... When it comes to getting good at anything um, and, you know, sort of reaching that expert level, uh, all of it is a reduction. And what I mean by that is, you know, the expert at anything has made uh, a lot of mistakes. And that's how they got to be an expert at what they have become. So in your climbing, you know, the ladder of whatever it is that you're, you're aiming for, uh, understand that mistakes are part of the journey. And the more you can recognize the mistakes, the more you can reduce those mistakes. And the more you reduce the mistakes, you'll find that algorithm, you know, that, that way that just works great. And then you start to become the expert at whatever it is that you choose to do. Uh, as Rose had mentioned, we're following a gymnastic bodies program, which is awesome uh, because it takes you down to very basic movements. Uh, so it's designed for, for anybody, um, which is cool because everybody can follow along with a program like that. But it takes you all the way down to push-ups. Uh, push-ups are not easy for everyone. But uh, Rose did 100 push-ups before doing this program today. And when we did the program today, it calls for... I think it was four sets of three push-ups. Yeah. 
So after she did 100 push-ups, now she was asked to do three push-ups four times. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but the foundation of this program is doing things is as close to perfection as possible because that's how you build true strength. True strength, excuse me. Um, so if you flow through something that is basic and fundamental and you kind of just breeze it off because it's, you know, really easy, uh, you miss the point of why that's the starting point and why that's how you build to go to the next level. So with the three push-ups, you know, it's supposed to be like tight body line, meaning um, your body's in a perfectly straight line in a push-up position. Your elbows are in as you're coming down. Uh, You're pushing back up and you're not, you know, letting your hips sag or arching your back or anything like that. And it's a lot more challenging when you take the time to actually do the push-up correctly. So three push-ups, it all of a sudden feels like a lot. You know, even though she did 100, I could tell she was having uh, a struggle with doing these three perfect push-ups. You know, and I think that a lot of people get this idea that they need to be doing you know, a lot of things in their, um, you know, stage or, or wherever they find themselves on that ladder, they need to be doing a lot, you know, thinking of like volume. Um, when really it's, if you can start practicing very basic fundamental things, um, you know, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. That's such a basic and fundamental thing. I mean, we've all heard that, you know, even as, as children growing up, we've all heard that, right? But most of us is just kind of let, let it go in one ear and right out the other. Uh, but if you really think about that and you really, you know, take your time with that thought alone, treat others the way that you would want to be treated, there's tremendous value in that, um, you know, it, it, it sort of speaks for itself, but it's easy to take something like that for granted because it's so easy. So a lot of times we skip out on things that we think is just, okay, that's too easy. What's next? Yeah, 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 I can do that. What's next? You know, and we miss out on so much of that starter strength that we wonder why you know, we go to that, we want to jump to that next rung, that next stage or, or, or process or progression, and we're not ready. So we fail, you know, and it's mainly because of your lack of preparedness. You know, you should have stayed at that first rung. You should have stayed at that first level. You know, three push-ups is plenty starting out. If you do them properly, if you do them with all of your intention and all of your focus, you know, it's plenty. And even myself, you know, I, I'm a personal trainer. I've been doing this for over 20 years now. And, you know, I've worked out many, many times and I, I still work out many, many times. And I made sure that those three push-ups were absolutely spotless, you know. So I'm not looking to try to scheme the system simply because I'm bored 
or simply because I th- look at three push-ups like, yeah, I could do three push-ups when I was like five years old. Um, because if I do that, I'm missing so much value of just the fundamental um, baseline of what a push-up actually is. So I have to humble myself to bring myself back down to say, okay, I'm going to do three push-ups, but I'm going to do the best three push-ups I've ever done in my entire life. And that's how I'm going to treat it. You know, So when it comes to anything in life, the basics are extremely valuable. So the same thing with the treat others the way you would want to be treated. You know, it's, it's easy to just be like, okay, yeah, 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 I get it. Cool. But how often are you practicing that? You know, how much have you perfected that? You know, and we can all ask ourselves that question, myself included. Am I doing the best that I can with that? You know, and being honest with that. You know, and how could I improve upon that? So those are, those are just a couple of ideas, a couple of questions that you should be asking yourself. Am I doing the basics the best that I possibly can? So I'm, you know, thinking that a lot of people are going to say, but I'm a perfectionist. So I try not to be a perfectionist. And what I'm thinking as the answer to that is a, it's a different kind of perfectionism, right? So the way that I'm thinking of it is if you are somebody who's a perfectionist and you have BPD, so you're spinning your wheels and you're not getting anywhere in recovery because you're trying to be perfect. That's different than what Jay's saying. You're look at this. You're looking at this big picture expectation of something that you'll never get to because perfect is impossible to achieve. He, and I think what he's saying is different. He's saying that there are, you know, you want perfection in the skill that you're trying to master. And here he'll he can speak on that too. Absolutely. Um- because the the phrase is you know that I hear commonly is uh, practice makes perfect. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think perfect practice makes perfect. You know, like you could practice. Okay, we'll go back to the push up. You could practice your push ups hundreds of times, and unless your push up is clean, it's perfect, you know, as close to perfect as you possibly can, uh, you're not going to have the perfect push-up, you know? So that's something that is, we should be striving for perfection, but understanding that when it comes to regards of a personality or just a human being, there is no perfect human being, you know? So we can look at all of our flaws. I can look at mine as well and see I'm not perfect either, you know, but the things that I see myself doing that are, you know, quote unquote, imperfect, I'm going to try to reduce those. So that way I can, you know, approximate myself closer and closer to perfection, even though I know that perfection will never be attained. Yeah, so... Even though and I think I'm kind of laughing a little bit because I think some people will still say because they, they've spent a long time thinking like I'm a perfectionist. And so, well, then, Jay, how would I know 
if my push-up was perfect, if I was always striving for perfect, and then I would just spend all this time doing all these push-ups, and I'm trying to get perfect, and it doesn't exist. So they've so perfect becomes disordered. I think in in the mind of somebody with borderline personality disorder. So when you say you want to do something perfectly, you know, you just want. I think it's just a different translation for the neurotypical brain here when he's talking about perfect. He's not saying perfectionist. Sometimes I think that the perfectionist that that people with BPD want is like you know, it's just not real. And then you get caught up in the fact that you can't get there, but you don't try those little things. I think that, you know, I kind of said that earlier. Here you go. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, perfection, uh, what are you trying to make perfect is the question. Uh, If you're trying to make a relationship, improve on a relationship, your feedback will be your partner, right? And if you trust your partner, You'll accept their feedback. When it comes to doing something alone, like the perfect push-up, video. You're going to have to video yourself because nine times out of ten, you're doing something that you don't quite know that you're doing until you watch that video feedback. So you can have your first-person point of view and then you can even have somebody watching you and they could be your observer and they can tell you the feedback on how you could become better or how you could improve or whatever. Um, but that is a great way to to really get honest feedback so that you can continue to, to improve or climb that ladder. Yeah, that's an awesome point. You know, I like how you say that. So how that would translate for you guys into recovery would be that you would start working on a skill, treat others the way you wanted to want to be treated you could have heard that today and heard him said that and it could resonate with you that's where you're at right now in recovery that's the rung of the ladder that you're on so when you go you know tomorrow today you know whenever you you know get a chance to sit down and sort of reflect on what we're saying here you want to start to perfect as best you can that one thing treat others the way you'd want to be treated and so you Maybe there are other things that you need help with in recovery. Maybe you still also need help to consistently, you know, regulate your emotions or take timeouts when your emotions get to be too intense. But right now, treating others the way that they want to be treated is something that resonates with you and you're ready to take that step and you're in that space where you can do that. Then what you want to do is have every single choice that you make align with that, treating others the way that you want to be treated and focus on perfecting that skill until you finally feel like, yeah, you know what? I'm convicted in that. I treat others the way that I want to, that I want to be treated. And then you can move on to the next skill. And that's really what he's saying is that you have to do the right thing the right way, you know, and strive for that kind of perfection before you can go on to the next skill and the next skill. And sometimes it's just a slow process, like three push-ups, one moral compass skill, you know, and it's a slow process. However, it is the, the best way to get recovery that doesn't go away recovery that stays because you have this really good foundation of skills so the other night in one of the groups that i'm running we went back to basics and you know what we started doing is i had them write good and bad on the top of their page and we said 
If you made a good choice, make a tally mark. If you made a bad choice, make a tally mark. Just so that you can start to bring into your awareness the fact that choices have consequences. So there's another example of something that you can do that is simple, doesn't take care of, it doesn't fix all the relationships that maybe have gotten, you know, bridges that have been burned since you started on your recovery path doesn't fix the fact that your kid's tantruming none of that however it is a very valuable thing to understand whether or not you've made a good choice with a good consequence or a negative choice with a negative consequence or a bad choice with a bad consequence because every choice that you make is either going to lead you on the path of recovery or further away from the path of recovery Right. And so if you can perfect that skill, get it to the point where you're convicted in it. That's what I mean by perfect it, where you're so convicted in your ability to do that, that that becomes part of who you are. I know my choices. I know what choices are good and what choices are bad. And so when you go into shame spirals, because maybe you made a bad choice, you're just going to refocus yourself on perfecting that one skill. So go back and make a good choice so you can put a tally mark there. And then once you've gotten that down pat, then you can go to the next level. And so there's really a lot of acceptance here is accepting what rung of the ladder you are at and accepting the fact that it's going to take time and you have to be patient and you can't just breeze through these parts of the ladder and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, Rose? I already know that I make choices. I know I make bad choices. I don't need to tally them up. You do. And you want to tally them up in a way that's like includes your entire day. So somebody had reached out and, and was like, so do you want me to you know, calculate all of the good choices and bad choices. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I do. It's one week of your time. Perfect this skill. So she had like 22 choices in a couple of hours. It was a lot of choices, but she was aware. She woke up, she brushed her teeth. Good choice. Good consequence. She's not going to have to go and get needles in her gums or deep cleaning. She went and she had breakfast. Good choice. Her blood sugar isn't going to ebb and flow now. She's going to have, you know, nutrient dense. She had a nutrient dense meal to fuel her day. She had cleaned something or organized a cabinet that was important to her. Good choice. She got into an argument with a family member because, you know, she was annoyed at something they unorganized. Bad choice. Bad choice, bad consequence because now that there's, there's an argument. Right. So it's just very simple. Start to look at what are the reasons why I'm in this space of recovery? What do I contribute to that? What are my choices and how can I make that change? So, again, that's one example. And that's for people who are really still having a hard time understanding their purpose, finding their how and their why. And what I want you to start to do is is stop becoming perfectionist about disordered things. Be a perfectionist at the things that matter. Perfect or come close to perfect, as close as you can, with whatever skill it is that you are working on right now, understanding that that has to be something you're convicted in before you can move on and that you will move on. Because once you learn a new skill, of course you'll be ready for the next one so you want to just have some patience take time and yeah enjoy the journey as much as you can anything any last words absolutely and just understanding that we're all flawed every single one of us there's nobody perfect out there so understanding that we're all flawed um and really having a deep understanding that we are all we all have something going on with us so 
when we make a mistake, uh, try not to get so wrapped up in the emotion of making a mistake, right? Um, think of it as just a simple, it's a miscalculation, you know, even with people, uh, when you make a mistake with somebody or you start an argument or something like that, um, if you miscalculated something and you're wrong, there's no shame in that. Just admit that you were wrong. You know, it's, it's just like doing a math problem and you get the, the problem wrong or, you know, giving – you're paying for something and I've done this many times. I'm paying for something and I don't quite count the money up correctly and so they let me know that I've, you know, miscounted and I'm, I just give the money. You know, I'm not mad about it. I'm not thinking they are attacking my character and who I am as a person, my identity. So I don't need to feel, feel the need to like protect my identity. Um, so understand that when you make a mistake, it's just a mistake. Recognize that what the mistake is and move on. You know, that it's a, it's a simple thing to do when, you understand that you're not perfect, but you're trying. Thank you so much, Jay. I love it. It's a simple thing to do. It is. It is. It takes practice, but eventually it gets easier and easier and easier. All of recovery really does. And I think, you know, if you've, you're hearing that about making mistakes and imperfection and you're like, you know what? that's not easy, then maybe that's not where you're at. So hopefully you're getting, you got a lot of great information today about things that you can do to propel yourself into recovery and to start having a bit more patience with the process. And we'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Thanks, Jay. Thank you for having me on. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline to Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.